0: all born with like a hand as a set of cards um there are two types of people right those who accept the hand and those who reject the hand and ask for a a reshuffle or uh, reject the hand and, and get new cards or continue to draw new cards right and i see these cards as as your life you know you can either accept it as it is and be bitter about it or you can go out and create something new out of it and follow this untraditional, unorthodox path. path.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's guest on the podcast is a really cool local investor who is super inspiring, Johnny has some really cool accomplishments and super valuable advice in different areas about entrepreneurship and real estate investing. In this episode, Johnny and I talk about a bunch of topics, a few of which include playing your hand, best spending your time and focus, and shouting your accomplishments. There's so much to absorb in this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump in... Would you guys mind please leaving a rating and a review down below? I always love hearing your thoughts on how I can make the podcast better. It really means a lot to me. Thank you so, so much. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 97 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Mr. Johnny Bui awesome house hacker in the city of Gardner, MA. I'm extremely excited to chat with Johnny. What is going on, my friend? How the heck are you?
0: Kyle, I am doing great. Very excited to be here. Very humbled. And um, I'm thankful that you're having me on as a guest.
1: Thank you so much, man. It it means a ton. It does. (laughs) So, Johnny, to kind of jump right into things, man, like tell us a little bit about, you know, what kind of got you into real estate? Like what kind of you know, what, what's kind of your backstory, I guess you could say?
0: Well, sure. To, to take you back to where I began, I actually became a real estate agent when I was 19. Um, and this was in between uh, schools. I was transferring from one school, a liberal arts school, to a business school, right? And this business school, it was called Babson College. And it was, it was a school, it was a college of very high achievers. And I wanted to be competitive everyone had something going on there, you know, whether it be um, having a business or a nonprofit that they are starting or have started, or they're working for this big name tech company, or they're actively freelancing. Um, And so knowing that, uh, that summer, when I was transferring schools, I set out to become one, a real estate agent, but also two a published book author, both of which would, you know, take its course on me over the next you know, two years or so. Um, and so I officially entered my foray into real estate as an agent um, during that time in 2018. And uh, since then, I've been practicing on and off as an agent, renting apartments, um, but not finding very much long-term success due to uh, a number of reasons. But real estate investing specifically, I learned about that through osmosis, um, really, Listening to different things throughout college, and the light bulb for me just went off after I graduated, um, and after starting my first job, uh, I would say that two things worked out for me post college. And post college for me is December twenty twenty. Um, I it, the pandemic forced me to slow down my pursuit of independence. There's a lot of people, as you know, who fall into the trap of moving out right away after they graduate, and that was certainly um, my intent, um, because I wanted to see new cities. I wanted to, um, have that first taste of my first apartment, um, and also live in a major city, right? So pandemic forced me to slow down. Number two, I was working for it. So I wasn't being pulled in any geographic location. Um, so I stayed home, allowed all the knowledge that I've accumulated, both working as an agent, but also in real estate that I've accumulated through college. I, it, this, this serenade. That's how I got started and post-college was to save up enough so that I can purchase my first multifamily property in Boston because I'd always wanted to live in Boston stone. So that was my initial plan.
1: Wow. That's crazy, man. Like there's so much that I wanna like dig into in there. So even like to start off, man, like tell us a little bit about, you know, the um like the author, you know, like pursuit and everything, like, like, where did that like kind of space come from too? Cause like, it totally blew my mind, man. Like, Holy crap. Like, that's cool. <laughs>
0: um, so I would consider myself as a higher, a high achiever when I was in college. Right. So, um, entering my sophomore year at Clark university, I had a lot of things going for me. Um, I was the president of the entrepreneurship club. I had started a business with my club with the goal of spreading more awareness, of entrepreneurship on campus. And so it was twofold. We were selling a service um, and also we were sharing, spreading the message of entrepreneurship in our club. Uh, with that, I was also working as, um, I was working at a farmer's market on campus as well. Uh, I was taking entrepreneurship courses um, and, you know, it, it, it was a great and it was a successful year. I had plans to transfer to the school that I was intent on getting into. Um, I had, study abroad plans as a backup plan, but to get straight to the point, all, all of this was broadcasted on my LinkedIn. And it was then that a professor from Georgetown University reached out and pitched this, this program that he was working on, this class that he had started at Georgetown University, where he was helping students become authors. Um, and now to, uh, to push his goal even further, he was trying to open this course to students that did not go to Georgetown University. And um, he reached out to me because I'm a student, um, and also because of what I what I do, my profile, right? Like the, the high achieving profile found me, reached out, offered me the opportunity. I took it because why not? Um, I was I, I was into saying yes. To, I was into saying yes to opportunity at the time, and so I took it on, and it became a uh, about a two and a half year journey for me. Wow!
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's that's wicked cool. I mean, like even like to start off, like just kind of posting, you know, about like kind of your journey to that point, And like that's something that's really beautiful, man, is like just like putting yourself out there and stuff like that. And like you never know, like who can be watching and like that's
0: crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so much more for me to say about that. I'd love to share that um, later into the podcast. But I have this whole um, philosophy about self-promotion. Of course, man.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely love to hear it. (laughs) So, yeah, man. So tell us, um, you know, like you uh, get out of school, you know what I mean? Kind of like tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of, um, you know, starting to look for that first property. Like take us kind of from like pre-approval all the way to like kind of closing on
0: on the place that you did. Yeah, absolutely. So to give you a clear cut – look at what the journey looked like. I had shared earlier that my goal was to purchase my first real estate investment property closer to Boston, in the Boston area, because Kill 2 birds with 1 Stone, I want to live there, and I also want to be an investor. Yeah. This, uh, something happened in December of 2021 that forced me to reconsider that plan, right? Because this plan, if I had truly followed it to the T, it would have taken me a couple years to save up the amount that I needed. Um, not knowing that today's rates would be as high as it would be, maybe even longer. Um, But in in December of 2021, um, I had actually tore tore my Achilles while training for American Ninja Warrior, another big goal of mine. And when I tore my Achilles, it effectively prevented any sport-related activity for me. Uh, So it forced me to reconsider my goals. And I had to reevaluate which goals could I accelerate for the time being if I can't actively train. And it was clear to me that, boom, right then and there, it was to become an investor. Maybe Boston is in the picture, but maybe it's not in the cards right now. After a year of savings, because I was intentional about this goal, I started saving the moment I started working in January 2021. After a year, I had about like $40,000 saved. Um and it was helpful too because our loans, our college loans were like put on pause um due to, to the pandemic. So I had an extra, you know, X amount of money saved because I didn't have to pay back my loan. Um so I had all this saved up and it, it was a decent down payment, you know, 40K. So what I did was I wanted to find a property in my my current area, right, which is like the Worcester, Massachusetts area. I found an agent. And I got connected to an amazing loan officer. Shout out to Emily DeGray from Homebridge Services, um, Homebridge Financial Services. And we got moving. I was quickly pre-approved for about $560,000. And that's what I wanted to know initially, right? How much can I afford? What is my ceiling? We got that ceiling down. The interest rate was ch- was changing um, every day is what she was saying. And so we couldn't lock down an interest rate, but we just said three and a half percent just to be slightly conservative. Um, and my, my, my demographic of homes that I was looking for, right? The filters, it had to be a three family, um, no two families, just a three family. And I was using an FHA loan. So as we know, as house hackers ourselves who have used FHA loans, um, uh, we have to be very careful about which homes we, we select because they, there's a separate inspector that comes by and, and reviews it. So not any home will, will be approved for the FHA loan. That was the criteria. Um, in addition to the, what was it, the 70% rule, where rents will have to be, like the, total, the mortgage would have to equal 70% of what you collect in rent. Yep. And for, for my FHA loan, um, we used projected rents. So it wasn't current rents that we were looking at, it was projected rents. So the mortgage that I would have to pay that we would have to uh, calculate based on our, our values, that would have to make up 70% of at least a maximum of what hour being. Um, another criteria, as you know, Kyle, was that we it had to be, one unit had to be unoccupied. Right. You used a different approach than I did, but I made sure that at least one was was unoccupable. Um, but hey, you know me, I I was injured, I have time. And if I could purchase a property but I, I was perfect. I was golden. And so let's see, are there any other logistical details that I was looking for properties, three families, right? In between Gardner and Boston. That was, that was my goal. Nothing past Worcester, nothing east of Worcester, nothing south or north, just in between. Mm-hmm. I was quickly humbled by the market because, you know, the saying goes, beggars can't be choosers. And eventually, I just got priced out as interest rates began to rise, right? Just properties just became a little bit more expensive, and they the the my ceiling stayed the same. Um, but these buildings, they just got more expensive. Um so I was forced to reevaluate. I had to, that my option. I was opening up my pool to properties north of Worcester, south of Worcester, east of Worcester, just because I was so willing to get into the market. That was my goal. I didn't care what it looked like. I just wanted it to pass FHA loan. And I wanted to get in the game, um, at any means necessary. So after four months, countless weekends, right, of showing up to open houses, uh, crutches in arm, a, a cast, a boot on my foot, um, you know, walking through the entire building, running the numbers with my loan officer, um, and several rejected offers, I I got smarter about how to uh, craft a, a good offer, and so. <laughs> I put a good. I put a. The moment came where I put a good offer in place after learning from my mistakes, and and it got accepted. And that's the house that I would be living in now if I wasn't you know injured in that home. <laughs> wow, that's
1: nuts, man. No, I I totally agree. You know, and like especially you made a couple very very big points too, especially about the FHA um, self sufficiency. You know where like yes. the the rents have to be. I believe it's seventy five percent. I'm pretty gotcha. sure. But yeah, like it's, it's a really interesting, I guess, I want to say curveball, but it is more of a safety technically, you know, for Mm -hmm. the bank or whatever, but like, it's really interesting, like, because, you know, like we hear from all over the place, like, oh, you only need three and a half percent down, you know, FHA, like you can do that everywhere. But in some cases, man, depending on the market, you know, like if you're going, you know, a heck of a lot closer to Boston, or like, you know, in Boston, like, it might be very, very difficult to kind of, you know, reach that self-sufficiency. And I don't do a whole lot in in Boston at all as an agent, so I'm not too, too sure. But it just it might be extremely difficult to be able to make that FHA loan work, you know, you know, in a kind of case like that with like purchase prices and the forecasted rents and everything. And the other side of that equation, too, with the FHA is, you know, having like the the safety and everything get passed, um, mm-hmm. you know, making sure like there's no like chip and paint or anything. And like all the Holes. handrails are good. And like, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, um it's definitely, I feel like honestly, man, like I, I mean, just, just as much as you, man, like I, I love the program. Like it has definitely served me well, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, a ton of other people out there, but like, I feel like a couple of the things that maybe aren't really as talked about with FHA are, the self sufficiency mm-hmm. and the, um, you know, a lot of like the safety kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, like, you know, that's great that like you only need, you know, three and a half percent down plus closing costs, but also like it still has to meet a couple guidelines as well.
0: You know, yeah. Like, and if there's one more th- like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's one more thing I can add to that. It's the fact that um, you can't use it. Multi- it's hard for you to, I'm not going to say, I want to be careful with my words, but. <laughs> Um, it's very difficult for you to use it multiple times, right? Especially in the same area, because the underwriters who officially, you know, uh, put it in paper or 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 do what the underwriters do. I don't know specifically. I just know that they're a major part of you executing on that loan. Um, they don't want investors uh, using it as a vehicle for like investment properties, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I were to try to use it again after refinancing out of my current FHA loan in Gardner, I would run into a lot of hurdles in doing so because I'm, I may not have a good reason to buy another property in the same area with that same loan yeah. um, because I'm no longer a first-time homebuyer. And that, that, that would be the struggle. So unless I had a really good reason to, um, I, I would run into a lot of difficulty in trying to use it again.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really interesting animal, man, too, because, like, depending on, like, I've heard stories of, like, people mixing, you know, like, like a 5% down conventional loan and, like, you know, like, using FHA originally and then, like, refining or, yeah, refining out of that, you know, into the conventional to be able to use the FHA again or, like, you know, just using the conventional somewhere else in addition yeah. to the FHA. Like, it's, it's a really interesting game, you know, and, and to your point, man, like especially like the area that you're in and everything and like you know if you're able to kind of provide like a suitable reason to the bank of like oh hey you know it's like here's like I have a three family with FHA like you know but like I want to buy this two family you know because it's closer to work or like closer Mm -hmm. to to my family or you know whatever the case is and it's I've definitely heard stories of like it working out and like it's it's really interesting, like, how you can play your cards with, like, these different kinds of loans and, like, the, you know, making sure everything kind of overlaps with each other. And it's, I've heard a couple stories of of a couple people um, local to, to our neck of the woods actually growing, like, pretty quickly, you know, off of leveraging, like, oh, like, here's a four-family with FHA, the next year maybe buying, like, a three-family with, like, a 5% conventional, so there's, like... Four, five, six, seven units right there, and then maybe like, you know, refining out of FHA like the year after or something, and like just kind of scaling up like really fast, and it's it's cool. But yeah, no, you're you're totally right, man. You know, it's it's definitely something that I feel like you kind of have to give some thought to and like like really strategize with it. You know, to kind of like keep growing in the the short term, yeah. Future. Like to kind of keep getting more units and and utilizing like the low down payment loans but it is extremely, extremely cool stuff, man. And be- one thing too, man, I, I definitely related to um, to something you said about kind of having to like reevaluate too, like when you were looking and everything and kind of like keeping the criteria like pretty open in terms of like location. Cause like I started in um, looking in Lowell and I very and- quickly got priced out of Lowell like ridiculously fast. <laughs> like I had a, um, there was a, Yeah, A nine bedroom, three family in Lowell that I had under contract for like 612,000 and literally like the entire building was falling apart. And like, I didn't know what I didn't know at that point. And like, I learned so much from that entire experience and the, the inspection and everything. But what I realized, man, was like, you know, I really, really dig like the three to four unit buildings, but Mm -hmm. this price point that I have doesn't support it in Lowell. You know, so it kind of started to push me out, you know, like further west and I was able to, you know, find what I was looking for. Like kind of the more the more west you go, you know, and that's um that's definitely a really cool coincidence, too, man, with the um like the student loans kind of like being on hold and like kind of being able to like back money like that. Like, that's cool, man. Like, wow. So, yeah. like, how did that kind of go? Like, because I, I wasn't too familiar with it, but did they you know as soon as like covid was you know kind of like running rampant and everything and like everything was was shutting down and stuff like did they just kind of like put a hold on like like having to
0: pay like college loans and stuff for a while or yes so i think the the proper term is called forbearance and basically meaning that your your loan payments are on pause because if you are a student um in in uh, higher education um your loan payments automatically start after you graduate gotcha. um And so my loans would have technically started in January, 2021, um, but loans were being, the the forbearance and loans were being extended and they were getting pushed back and back and back until January, 2023. Um, But before then, we we didn't really know that. All I knew was that I didn't have to pay for another several months. So until I had to pay, you know, I didn't really have to... I knew I didn't have to think about it until that month or that time came and I would worry about it after and figure out a plan, you know, in terms of how much I'd have to pay monthly. But current day, present day, I still have the the excess of cash. Right. And so um it, it, it bought me, it gave me a lot more time than I would have had if we weren't in a pandemic and my loans weren't on pause because now I have the 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 cash I would have had later. Mm-hmm. And this was a smarter decision anyway, right? I think we can both agree on that because <laughs> now this it's going towards an asset that could help me pay down my loans. and And that was the initial goal, man. Like if I could get a property before I had to start paying my loans and before my injury before I recovered, then you know it could also it can not only pay down my loans, but I could also be living in it and then getting back into training after I've recovered.
1: It's such a beautiful thing, man. Like, like, especially to your point, you know what I mean? Like, if you're able to, like, that's that's the thing that I absolutely love about multifamily, man. Like, especially, like, you know, three units and up or like, you can actually cash flow, like, while you're owner-occupying. Mm-hmm. Is, like, even if it's only, like, a couple hundred bucks or something like that, man. Like, that, you know, plus you're living for free. Um, you know, like, who knows, man? Like, maybe, I mean, like, I'm not sure kind of what the, the figures look like. But, you know, man, say, like... You know the the payment for like your student loans was like x but like the cash flow from the property was like also x so like like in a way like your tenants are paying back your student loans like while you're living for free like you the equity like, yeah yeah like that's that's like the craziest stuff in the world man that's nuts like <laughs> you know like mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah and we're and, only scratching the surface right in terms of wow. what like what we can do with this you're right and the cool thing is too man is like i feel like everything
1: happens for a reason so like that was like meant to be that like all the stars aligned and like everything was together and like like that was like meant to happen to you like that and like that's like the like i I like to think about that kind of thing you know because like sometimes like when you're in the moment like in like whether it's situations that are extremely good or you know some that maybe aren't so fortunate like depending on kind of how you look at it like i feel like like everything might kind of happen for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just like not trying to, you know, like get all like outside the box and everything, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, I, I, I do think it was the, a really good example of a situation where you made something great out of your unfortunate situation. Because, yeah. because, you know, Achilles torn, people say that's a career ending injury. I could have just sat there for then those four months and just, recovered relaxed did nothing right um and i love this saying apparently it's by abraham lincoln i don't know if i believe it um the saying goes good things come to those who wait but only the things that are left over by those who hustle ah right i've never heard the second part man that's so good. that's the thing you know i i'm not a proponent of Everything happens for a reason because that's – for me, that's kind of like slapping a label on things, things mm-hmm. that did work out, putting a label on it, yeah. as opposed to you know you being the one to create your own luck and making that happen. Yeah. Whereas if you say, you know, if everything happens for a reason, you kind of disregard the actions that you may have put in place to make it happen.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, man. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I forget. There's, there was a quote too. I, I don't know who said it. I'm probably going to butcher it, but – I might know it. <laughs> you probably do, man. The um, it was um, ah, uh, what is it? I think like the harder you work, the luckier you get, or like something like that. I forget. Yeah. Like somebody said it. Like it was like something like that. I probably butchered the crap out of it, but it was
0: like something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do know that quote. I don't know who said it either. We could probably just say Abraham Lincoln. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Why yeah. not? <laughs>
1: So my man I wanted to ask you so what is kind of your um like your drive and your vision for the long term you know like with with real estate with with everything you know
0: Yeah um so I would love to build as as I write would love to build solid portfolio by my my age is my Like age of, t- they say it takes ten thousand hours before you fully master something, and I like to think that we are putting in those hours now. Yeah. Um, diversity. So I value geography, right? Different states, different cities, different towns, different countries, right? Two families, three families, four families, single families, condos, um, and eventually like large. Apartment complexes, diverse lease terms, short-term rentals, and long-term rentals, and maybe even like medium-term rentals, like the, in the sweet spot
1: mm-hmm.
0: in between. Goals right now, or I guess for the future, is my my parents immigrated from Vietnam um, in the nineties, and the house that my dad grew up in with his siblings and my grandfather and my grandmother, it was it was given to my dad's youngest sibling, his half-brother. Um, my, his half-brother actually sold that house that uh, my dad grew up in. And so I, I don't know the address right now. I don't know how much it's valued at. But one day, I hope to buy back that house um, by any means necessary. I don't have the financial means to do so. But once I'm in a position where I am able to, you know, I hope to acquire that property back and, and keep it in-house. Wow. That's super cool, man. I, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So I think it would just mean a lot. And I, I think I would really feel like I made it once I'd, I'd done that.
1: Yeah. That's the coolest thing in the world, man. Like, I'm I'm just trying to, like, imagine, you know, like, just, like, the look on, like, like your dad's face. Like, oh, hey, like, look what I bought. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, look familiar, huh? <laughs> you know? Like, wow. That's beautiful, man. Like, that's... Like it's, I love that type of thing. Like, especially, you know, like when people have those kind of goals that are like so sentimental and mm-hmm. like, like it's so real, man, it's, it's not.
0: Yeah. And, and another thing that we were talking earlier about the peak of the iceberg, right? Like leveraging real estate, having it pay off your loans among other things. Yep. One other thing in the short term that I'm looking to figure out within these 10,000 hours that we're putting in is, um, understanding how to burr a property, right? Like really understanding how to rehab a property, because I think that's that's when we get to break into the iceberg and get down to like a deeper level. Um, yeah. Because I think to be able to know, to, to to understand how to create value out of some, out of like dirt, out of something really, really bad. yep, um, And then, you know, turning it into something beautiful, refinancing out of it, pulling out all the cash you put into it. I think that's just such a, a, a game changer. And, you know, I would consider myself a beginner right now because I didn't, I didn't do that, right? I just used FHA loan. But once I know how to burn something, that's the next thing I'm focused on because that's how I think I can effectively scale. It's just buying these these broken down properties and then like burning it back to life. Yeah. Um, I think that's key. I and mean, I think that's more sustainable to building a faster, build, or building my portfolio faster rather than just buying fairly turnkey properties.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I I definitely agree,
1: man. Like that, the skill of like rehabbing, like I I totally agree with you, man. Like I was kind of in the same boat, you know? Like I got like a, you know, had like an idea of like a couple things that like I needed to pay for and like got quotes and and whatever. But like, I feel like having that eye to like just be able to look at stuff and be like, oh, well, like, you know, that bathroom is going to be like six grand to reno. That's going to be like three grand to fix that. Like, you know, and just kind of being able to have that, have like the vision, you know what I mean? Of, of yeah. being able to, to just like see the value and like, you know, like look at a purchase price, like look at the situation that you have, like, Oh, it'll be like, you know, six grand for like an electrical panel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, it's such a beautiful thing. And like, I feel like, like not a lot of people, um, you know, really like have something like that. Right. And like, especially mm-hmm. like, I wonder if that's kind of one of those things that, like over years and years of like, you know, trading and properties and like, you know, being different parts of, of deals and everything. Like you're just going to kind of pick up from overtime. But like the thing too, that, that kind of came to my mind, man, was I wonder like basically the value that could be created if, I mean, obviously, you know, like learning as much as you can about like that type of thing is, is absolutely key. Um, but I like I feel like the if you were able to kind of like like network your they yeah, network your way there as well, you know what I mean? And like kind of meet the people who, you know, could maybe be interested in like partnering on a deal with you and like, you know what I mean? Like if they mm-hmm. had like a lot of that type of knowledge already, you know, like 10, 20, like 30 years of experience, like, you know, doing that type of thing all the time, mixed with like, you know, the vision of what this property needs to be what the numbers look like and like you know like almost kind of like implementing you know like a a really valuable individual like that has that knowledge already and then just kind of making like crazy value and then like splitting it you know
0: what i mean like i do i do i know exactly what you're saying um it's like what you're describing is is one of the things one of my, my my core philosophies right and it's that there are other ways in besides the front door. Wow. And what we are on the same wavelength about is, you know, maybe entering through the front door is um, accumulating several properties in your portfolio and then learning how to rehab a property through all these different individual experiences you have. Whereas entering through like a window or the back door or the basement is meeting different people who have done so already and learning from them either Actively by shadowing them or working with them in a deal, and then to your point, separating once you feel like you you have that eye, right, and you 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 understand um, what it is, how much it costs to fix X Y Z, what materials you may need, um, Mm -hmm. or who you might need to call. Exactly, and that's something that
1: I've been very obsessed with for a while. Man, is like basically. You know, because it's really interesting because, you know, like when it comes to, I mean, say even like, you know, buying like a property you want to flip or like buying like a buy and hold, like if you think about it, man, like there's roles out there and like companies for like every single portion of that deal that you would need, like just like totally theoretically speaking, right? Like if you needed like a whole entire property painted inside, outside, like there's a company for that, you know, like if you have... Um, like a ridiculous amount of like mold or like mice or like, you know, whatever that is, there's companies for like, literally like all of those things, you know? And like, it's, it's almost like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting, man. Cause like, like you can kind of create that team and like, kind of like put in the the pieces and everything. And like, what's the, it's something that I, I think about often actually is like, what's the actual thing that like you want to like put those ten thousand hours towards in like trying like master like for you, you know what I mean? Like, is it like kind of creating the the team of people who can like do a lot of that type of stuff, or like maybe you know kind of like being the the visionary for the project and like just like having like a really hands on like learning as much as you can, you know? Because like it's and I don't know, man. Like it's just kind of this concept of like playing to your strengths. Exactly, you know, and like what's like the smallest like the smallest thing that like if you put like all your time and and your vision and everything towards that and like delegate out everything else like what does that look like you know like if it's like you know like people like find deals for you or whatever and like you're the one where like your um like prime strategy is to have the team built and like have the communication and like Mm. the gc can run his thing and like manage all the contractors and like the attorney does their thing and you know, and like you're kind of like orchestrating like this big like, like next level like project. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think about something like that often. Like, what's the actual like part of, of the deal? Like, do I want to like really focus in on and like be good at that part? You know, because like the carpenters like kick ass at carpentry. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like the the plumbers kill it at at plumbing, right? Yeah. Like what's the, what's the kind of role that like
0: you want to fulfill, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that a rhetorical question or is that a… Probably. <laughs> you, you can yeah. take a stab at it if you want, but <laughs> I'm not really sure where I was going with that to be honest. No, I think it's a, it's, I think it's a very important question. Like where do you want to put your time, right? Yeah. Because there, there are these people that you've named plumbers and carpenters who have their own strengths that with you who spent the same amount of time that they did understanding their craft. You know, it wouldn't make sense for you to try to make up that lost time because there's exactly you. There's it's better spent elsewhere. And your your question is where is that? Where is that elsewhere? Where is my time better spent? Yep. Um And as you know, it's it's unique to every individual and and their goals. My goal, I don't want to be known as a real estate investor. That's I don't I don't want to have a large scale operation. Um, and so my goal would not to. Um. I guess grow an operation large enough for me to outsource a lot of work to different people. Yep. Um. My goal specifically, and I don't know what my number is in terms of how much income I want to make on a monthly basis in terms of passive income, and I don't know what the number is in terms of properties I want to have. Um, but for me, I think I found where that elsewhere is, and that elsewhere is again understanding how to rehab. You know, under walking through walking through a building and understanding what materials is needed and the type of who i need to, the type of person that i need to call the type of profession i need to call um, and i mean if i could estimate the the cost that would be great but one thing i that's a strength and this is sort of like a tangent i won't be on it for very long that's okay go nuts <laughs> a, a strength that i've developed myself and have come to value is generally speaking i usually always know what i want and also, what I need to know next, yeah, right. And so I'm I'm very keen and I'm very focused on that. Though that that idea of ha- of building that eye to identify what I need to, what material is needed, and who to call to fix it, that's what I'm intentional and and about and focused on next. Um, so I'm not focused on, on like learning the skill. I'm learning about who do I who do I call and what do I need. Yeah. Um. And I think that will lead me to my next stage in in becoming a more seasoned investor. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, you know, works with my goal in that I don't see this as being a long-term thing for me. I don't don't see myself spending my entire life becoming an investor.
1: Yeah. I love that, man, honestly. You know, because to your point, like every single person has like a a different vision like that. And I think that's super cool, man. Like especially like just to kind of like really dig deep and have that, like, rehab type of knowledge and, and just be able to see the value, you know, where others might not be able to, you know, and, and be able to, like, just capitalize on the opportunity
0: and, and run with it. Yeah. Do you know where your elsewhere is? Like, where would you want to put, like, your 10,000 um, hours? And it doesn't have to be one place. 10,000 hours is a lot of time. So you just pick, like, <laughs> one place and then...
1: Honestly, man, like, I've been pretty obsessed with... Um, kind of like raising capital ah me. like it, it hasn't really like i'm in like the very 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 early stages of it you know like like just listening to podcasts for the first time type of thing yeah and like i don't know i just i think it's a lot of fun man you know because like i've i really enjoy like having conversations like these and like just like hearing everybody's story and networking like that's that's the thing that i have realized over the past couple of years that gets me the most fired up like on a daily basis is like just having fun, you know, like learning with each other and everything. And like, that's, that's what I love, man, you know? And
0: yeah.
1: I just, the vision that I kind of have is, you know, just kind of having this, like, you know, um, like raising capital, like type of role and like partnering with different people and like different projects. And like, it just, that's the type of thing that kind of makes my ears perk up, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, I just. I just want to, you know, pretty much like, you know, put value into a property and then like, you know, maybe a couple years later, like take it out and then put it into like two other projects and like, just kind of scale up that way. That's something that, um, I'm definitely extremely interested in, you know, and, and just kind of like leveraging equity and, and putting it in different places with different people and just kind of learning the whole time, you know? And that's, that's kind of what I envision for myself, to be honest, yeah. man, like it just, I just I really like the concept, you know.
0: yeah, i I actually have experience with raising capital. I had to raise capital four thousand to um publish my book. Oh, really? Um, oh damn. I have but um I don't it's 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 a challenge, you know, and it's it's there are hurdles that you have to get across, but i <laughs> I don't wish it upon anybody who <laughs> um, who's looking to sell something out of it because I was trying to, you know, fund case your financing is different, right? Because you're promising a return.
1: Mm -hmm. So it did, unfortunately, cut out. in a flat
0: sense and (laughs) different, but that's a side note. That's great,
1: man. Yeah, it it did cut out a little bit in there, unfortunately. Um, So if you could just kind of like go through like the past like 10 seconds again, I'm so sorry, man. My internet is crap. (laughs) But like basically, like what you were talking about was, you know, like how you had to raise four grand for like, um uh, you know your book and
0: everything and and kind of like some of the facets that that went into that yeah so i had to raise the four thousand dollars to cover the book publishing costs right this included cover design copy editing um and then getting it sent out to various retailers like walmart and noble um and a bunch of other places and i want to i want to quickly say that the that type of fundraising is different from the one that you're going into because I was essentially asking my friends and family to fund my dreams, paying pre-ordering my book for thirty-nine dollars. No book costs, or should cost thirty-nine dollars. Um, but you're promising value, right? A return. And for me, it took me three or a little over two months to raise that full four thousand yeah. dollars, selling enough copies of my book, um, and really trying to, I guess, convince my my friends and family that this is something that was really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just the, the, the rationale between both of our individual fundraising journeys are going to be different. But I just want to say that it was, it was an interesting and it was a long and difficult journey. And I definitely learned a lot about myself in that process, learning how to uh, ask for help and not being conservative in my approach. Because you know once you start fundraising, you'll understand and learn how many people you've met in your entire life, how many people you have to reach out to. And of course, depending on how much you're looking to request from each individual person, your pool might like slim, but you know, it's still, it's still a cool activity to to, do.
1: It sounds like a lot of fun, man. And I I really like what you said about, you know, kind of when you were doing that, like the amount that you learned about yourself and like your relationships and like kind of the self-awareness of like, you know, like your place and like the, all the people that you've met in the past and like that's cool you know it's that's that's definitely something that that I am excited about um you know for whenever that kind of happens you know it's like I almost I kind of picture and I'm kind of curious you know what your thoughts on this are man because like you've been there but like what I kind of picture like when doing this is a lot of like you know one-on-one like type of like coffee shop kind of conversations and like you know, presenting an opportunity and like mm-hmm. shooting the breeze about it, like that's kind of what I picture from like a ten thousand foot view. But I don't know what that looks like yet. So, how did that kind of go for you, man? Especially with like friends and family too. That's that's definitely something I want to get into in a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, because I was raising like a less, a, a, a smaller sum of money than what you would be raising for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like those intimate one-on-one conversations. Some some were. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was, it was a mass texting, mass oh, emailing, yeah. um, because I was only looking to raise either between 15 and $39 yeah. from each individual person. Um, and because it's, it wasn't a significant sum of money. Um, I thought it just warranted, you know, a, a brief description of what I'm working on, a link to my Indiegogo. Um, and then me just asking them if they would be interested in supporting me. So Less, there was less at stake in terms of how much they were going to give up to help me. In that sense, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that's cool though, man. Like, so how was that kind of like the first time around? Like, like what was kind of going through your head when whoever it was was like, "Oh, you know, you have to raise like four grand, like to to make this this thing happen." Like, what were you kind of thinking about?
0: <laughs> it- it was a very stressful time in my life because I was actually studying in San Francisco for a semester at the time, so I was in San Francisco. Wow. Um I had a part-time internship at the time. Um, I was I was taking I was a full-time student there as well. I was taking classes and I was working on uh, one big consulting project that were, that took up most of my time. Um, and then you know halfway through my journey of fundraising. My I learned that my grandfather had passed away, um, and so it was just oh, an emotional roller coaster because I I had at the end of month one I'd raised like nineteen hundred dollars seventeen hundred dollars yeah all these things going on and I'm stressed out um, you know I have to fly from from NorCal to SoCal to for the funeral and um, like mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna do I have another $2,100 to raise. I feel like I've asked enough people. Like I already feel like a burden because unlike what you're proposing, this is not going to be an opportunity for you really, right? You're getting a book in exchange. Um, It's just, it was it was one easily one of the most troubling or, or difficult times of my life. Um, and it ended up working out because I saw my family and they realized I was fundraising. And so they offered to help me out, um, which boosted my campaign further. And got me closer to my goal mm-hmm. um but the amount of pressure that was on my shoulders then because of things that were outside of my control it was you know enormous to say the least
1: i can just imagine man like those, those kind of periods where like you just have so much going on and like you just feel like you're getting absolutely crushed are uh definitely um definitely troubling times
0: <laughs> yeah yeah wow but so, you know, whenever you're ready, would, have, would love to like learn more about your conversation. Um, I, I build presentation decks for a living. That's like my occupation. And so presenting it as an opportunity, um, uh, that's that's my bread and butter, right? P- p- putting together proposal decks for potential clients and offering that a means to, um, And in this case, it would be offering uh, an extra return on the capital they're investing in you, Right. right.
1: That's crazy, man. That's that's awesome. Wow. So, man, when it came to, because um, I was curious. So, what, um, what was your book about, man? I'm extremely interested in in your book.
0: <laughs> Good question. Uh, my book. It was about young entrepreneurs. Um, that's who I. I wrote about of the of the book is kind of evident by its title the title is who's doing it nice like who 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 is really going out there and pursuing something that they are passionate about you know who we i'd like to i like to believe that when we are born you know we We're all, and if you're into poker, if you're into like um, casinos, you call that a hand, right? We're all born with like a hand, a a set of cards. Um, There are two types of people, right? Those who accept the hand and those who reject the hand and ask for a a reshuffle or uh, reject the hand and, and get new cards or continue to draw new cards, right? And I see these cards as as your life you know you can either accept it as it is and be bitter about it or you can go out and create something new out of it and follow this untraditional unorthodox path path and very easily every single person every young entrepreneur that i interviewed in that book rejected that hand and and went on to create or do something completely amazing in their own local community and um I encouraged everybody to find their it in the book, right? And their it is, you know, what what, what is it? Like, what do you want to do? Um, what it is that you're passionate about? And I encourage everyone to go out and find that so that they can effectively reject that hand and, and do something that's happy for them. Um, of course, easier said than done. But it's it's something that I try to live by even now. You know, you can, like, if you look at my professional profile, there's a ton of different things on there. Right. And it's because I'm always pursuing a new interest. I'm always trying something new. And in my particular case right now, like I pursued American Ninja warrior because it was personal to me and it was a goal of mine. I ended up tearing an Achilles and my ACL over it. Um, hindsight, you know, maybe I should have trained smarter, but I don't regret it in that I was pursuing my, and I was pursuing something I was interested in. I was living the message of my book and, um, after I'm recovered, I'm going to try something new and I'm going to continually try something new because I don't want to be put in like a box. You know, I'm not just XYZ. I am more and we can all be more. You just got to have the courage to, to, you know, pursue it and see it through. I love that, man. To your point, there was, um,
1: there was a quote that I saw on Facebook a while ago and it was um, either be better or be better and Mm, i feel like that ties in really well i I don't know who said it let's say abraham lincoln just for uh (laughs) (laughs) probably but yeah man like i feel like that ties in extremely well with what you were just mentioning like and and the cards i love the way you you worded that man like and and pay to the picture like that that was awesome i i like that a lot but you're you're totally right though and i think there's an infinite amount of value in just tasting as many things as you can and like trying different activities and like you know what man because like when we're like 90 years old and like you don't have the the ability to like try out a lot of these things anymore Mm. like what are you gonna do then you know like like if you like never tried actually um i don't know if you know uh know of the guy gary vaynerchuk yeah 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 man so he um I want to say it was him it's it's coming to my mind but like oh you know like how are you supposed to know that you like shrimp if you've never tried shrimp before like like how do you know you like pizza if you've never had pizza like you know like you just gotta like like just try it you know like shoot your shot like like just taste things and yeah like there's some stuff that you'll absolutely hate like but you tried it and now you have Mm -hmm. that information and there's other things that you might surprise the crap out of yourself that like you actually really really enjoy and it's I feel like, like even like real estate aside, man, like just, just like life, you know, like you never know, like you could like absolutely fall in love with like foosball, you know? And like, like who knows, you know, like, (laughs) you just never know, you know? And if, if you're always like open to experimenting and, and trying different activities and, and you never know what's going to happen, you know, like you're, you're going to pivot the way that, um, you know, the, the way that it was meant for you to go. And like, trying different things and yeah man it's it's such a beautiful thing you know just to just to make sure like you're always like tasting as much as you can and like just trying things because like if you're just like that box i, I like the way you you phrase that too like if you're just like this this character like whatever that is like one dimensional it one dimensional exactly like yeah. like that's it like you know, but like, there's so much more to life, man. Like for everybody. So much
0: more. Yeah, I agree. You got to live. And yeah. yeah, I totally agree, man. We, I we just to... connected we did. on that, on that <laughs> wavelength. <We> just,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think we just became best friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got a question for you, man, that I always like to ask um, everybody that comes on. That question being, how do you define
0: wealth? I was prepared for this question, <laughs> um, partly because you sent me the questions ahead of time, and partly because it's in your title. You know your um, your podcast title. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, I think I would define wealth in two ways. So, in one, in two words, as, as passive income. In a longer form statement, as the Financial position of not having to actively work for your dollar. Alternatively, synonymously, the state of being where your living expenses are covered by your assets. Yeah. Right. I really think that's, that's, that's really what wealth is because the difference between what I just shared as in a definition um, from being rich is rich being a, a large lump sum of money that you have right here. And, um, We'll we'll just say that we'll assume that it's growing because it's in a bank and it's collecting interest. Um, whereas it's you know, it's the same amount coming into your bank account every week. Um and they're they're given to you by your your assets. Uh, um just we we like there's there's really I don't want to overcomplicate it i don't want if that's my definition of block right there
1: <laughs> no I, I i like it a lot man i do you know and like especially like the thing that's cool too is you know from a lot of the stories like that that you tend to hear like in this kind of space of like once the the financial part you know starts to become you know less of a less of an issue, I guess you could say, like now, you know, all of a sudden, like your time freedom opens up and like, you know, if you have more time, like that gives you more time to like taste different things and different activities, like kind of looping back. And then, you know, like now all of a sudden, like you might be able to exercise every single day. And like, it's like, just like the, the balance and like the, like, it's, it's so cool, man. Cause like, it's, it's so much bigger than like just the money, you know, it's, it's almost like what comes from like the back end of that you know what i mean and and just being able to live
0: like the way that you you desire to and yeah (laughs) yeah and there was there was a thought that just came to mind as you mentioned that um it's like it's being rich is sort of is almost in my opinion like a an older more traditional form of of being working right we we work every single day and we build up our savings and we put enough into our retirement so that when we reach a certain age, we have a, an, a, a, an amount of money, a lump sum of money to fall back on. Whereas, you know, if you're, if you're working to become wealthy, sort of like a new contemporary type of thinking mindset yeah. um, you're working um, and as you're working in your younger years, um, you're building assets and, um, and so, yes, you are creating something. You're creating wealth for when you retire and so you can fall back on it. Um, but you're being a lot more active than if you were to just work and put X amount of money towards savings and your your retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're at the end of the day, you're still working, but you're being a little smarter in terms of where you're putting these funds.
1: Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, man. Like it's... It's just kind of being more intentional, yeah. like so doing yeah. the same repetitions as everybody else at like at the moment, but yeah. having a different intention of what you're actually doing with like the cause of why you're you're kind of doing that. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't. We, we're there. We're there. Like we're the same. We got that we're, connection going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you, Johnny, dude. Like it, it's funny because like I, I was talking to one of the guys that I um that I work with yesterday. Like we were looking at our um. So at my day job, we have, like, a TSP. It's pretty much like a 401k or whatever, like, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about it because I've been with the company that I'm with now for, like, three years. And there's probably, like, uh, there's not much by any means. There's maybe, like, ten grand or something like that in this, like, 401k thing. And I was telling him because the guy that I work with actually has a three family in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. So, like, he kind of, you know, to some degree understands, I guess like, where I was coming from with what I'm about to say. And I told him, I'm like, dude, honestly, like, I've thought about literally, like, just yanking all the money out of here and, like, you know, getting slapped around with, like, the... The, the fees. Um, yeah, you know, the like, the pre Yeah, like, the, yeah. you know, taking the money out too early um, mm-hmm. fees and everything, just to have control over that. Like, because, like, I don't want to just leave it in a, a 401k, you know, type of account and, like, have somebody else take care of it. Like, no, like, you know, like yeah. I, I want to have control over my destiny. And like, like, I want to like, you know, I want that to be my responsibility. Like if I, I fail or not, like, I don't want to just like, you know, kind of leave it there and hope for the best. And I feel like that's something that I I wish that conversation was had a lot more often, man, like just in general. And I mean, like, I know everybody's different and like, you know, not everybody is going to want to like, you know, have responsibility like that in their lives and like, you know growing their assets on their own terms and everything and like kind of you know like working at it and everything but at least to just kind of be presented as an option of like oh you know like you could you know keep your money in like a 401k and like it's subject to to market fluctuation and everything you know like like most other other assets are but like it's just kind of a set it and forget it which for some people like totally cool like that's that's great it might take you years and years and years you know for it to kind of accrue crew and everything but also like there's this other thing that like if you maybe like took that out or like kind of built a, built it up in a different way like you can actually have a a lot more control and you know over like what actually happens to that you know yeah. like that's that's the cool thing with real estate too man is like definitely the creativity of like you know, two people can walk up to a building and think like two completely separate things have to like two completely separate plans, like cash on cash, like, like looks different for both of them and like completely separate strategies, but the both of them can still work extremely well. And like, it's just, it's control and like being harnessed in, in two different ways. Um, and who knows the possibilities, you know, and instead of kind of you know, just kind of leaving it there and, and hoping for the best and kind of having somebody else take control of it. But yeah. I don't know, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Here's another, here's another angle from looking at it. Cause I thought of the same way yeah. um, when I started working, I was intentional about what my allocation was going to be in terms of the money that I would save after all of the expenses that I had. Yeah. Um, you know, how much was it going to be going to be towards real estate? How much is it going to be put in a, um, a high-yield savings account and how much of it would be put into my Roth IRA or my personal savings account or my um, personal investing account. And um, what, what, what ended up happening was it, it, it worked out. Um, a significant sum was to, to get delevate, delegated towards real estate. Yep. And then when it came time for me to speak to my loan officer, she had to assess like my collateral, right? Like, do I have enough saved elsewhere? in case this deal falls through and we were able to look towards my other, you know, accounts. My, and so my Roth IRA came up and my 401k came up and they're like, you know, do you have X amount saved elsewhere and all these accounts because I've been contributing to these for several years. And also if you look into the, the details of your 401k or your Roth IRA. You can also hand pull that money out under the right circumstances. You know, if if it's for a first-time home purchase. Or um, there are certain situations where it's you're qualified to take it out. And that's how I see it. You know, my my Roth IRA emergency fund, um, because I'd imagine that in the span of time that it takes for me to withdraw that, it was probably put on credit. Right, so I have some time before I need to pay it off, and so I'll take whatever time I have, pull it out of because it fits. You know, it's an emergency, and then pay it off there. So there are you know, there are there are ways for you to strategically leverage it. But I hear what you're saying in that money may be better spent elsewhere. Had yeah. you known someone?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, definitely agree, man. And like, that's, that's a really cool, um, cool tip too, is like, if you have, you know, like some of those other accounts, you know, like a Roth or a 401k or like just a little bit of liquid cash or whatever it is. Like if you go and you buy a property, like that stuff specifically can be used as reserves. And like, that's, that was something that I thought was wicked cool, man. I was like, Oh crap. Like, you know, does this have to be like completely liquid? Like that's another like nine grand or something. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like the world's (laughs) falling. But it's like, no, you know, like just, you know, like give me your, your like account number and stuff like that and we'll check it out and we'll be all right. You know, like you're good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. You know, totally, man. (laughs) So Johnny, my last question for you, my friend is do you read and what is your favorite business investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone so it could be like anything like podcasts like youtube like anything at all
0: (laughs) i do have an answer to that but i think i have a much more interesting answer to another question you have sure and that question would be you know what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career Perfect. Let's do it. You wouldn't mind if we switch questions, a hundred percent. Go for it. Okay. Um, so, in my short career since I've become a you know full time working professional, I will preface this by saying you know depending on your goals and personal nature, this may not be applicable to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this is my this is my lesson. You know, I'm a big proponent of taking your accomplishments and shouting it from like the mountaintop, yeah. right? self-promotion no one else is going to do it for you because you're you're likely not a celebrity and you don't have someone working in pr for you and when you when you do this when you shout your accomplishments from the mountaintop you have to do it in a way for people to care um you don't want to do it obnoxiously right because people will think you're a snob so along the same vein it's about serendipity which means unexpected good luck but nonetheless uh, creating serendipity, creating your luck. What I mean by that is the more people that know you and know what you're about, the more they will associate you with the things they come across, right? So by continuing to shout out your the, your accomplishments from the mountaintop, you're constantly reminding the people in your life, in your network about you. Um, and so maybe 10% uh, will decide to take action and tell you about, what it is they came across that reminded them of you, you know? And that's you creating your own luck, right? You're constantly like there in their face um, so that, you know, when they make that connection with you, um, it it creates an entirely new opportunity for you. You may consider that luck, but from the outside looking in, no, like you, you did that yourself. And to, to create your own luck, you need to do that. Um, but you also need people looking out for you either advertently, which is a a very small few or inadvertently. And that's you reminding people, right? And it's, it's worked out for me in, in several ways, right? And it's being active on social media. It's it's being active on media channels. Um, and it's also being active like as an individual going out there into the world, meeting new people, sparking conversations when you can, and, um, you know, making sure that when you're meeting people out in the street or wherever you are, for me, it's it's my gym sauna. Um, making that connection and then like looping them into your connection. I don't want them. I don't want this to be a one-off chance that we see each other. Like let's get connected somehow. Instagram or LinkedIn or, or your phone number at the very least. Yeah. You know, that way you're officially part of the network. Welcome in. Um, mm-hmm. That And now we have a means of communication to each other. Right. And if, you know, texting is great, it's not ideal. If we're on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, like that would be more ideal because that way if we're connected, you see what I like, you see what I comment. And that way, you know, you're reminded of me as opposed to texting, you only know of me when I talk to you. Yeah. So that, that's really key, man. Self-promotion is the biggest thing. That's genius, man. Holy crap.
1: And yeah, like literally like looping back to earlier in the interview, man, like when you were talking about like, you know, first like, you know, putting everything out there that you were doing and then the professor from down south like saw that and like it like, you know, got you into this program that like totally changed your life. And like, like the proof is in the pudding, like, (laughs) like it's right there, you know, like it's wow. That's super valuable, man. Yeah. And especially the, the thing with the
0: sauna still blows my mind, man. Like literally like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the bigger story, the bigger message there is group shared group activities, you know, classes, um, things you find joy out of, like, is there a class for that? And just meeting people in those class, because when you're not bound by like a larger institution of like school, it becomes significantly harder to meet people because now you have nothing to connect you to a stranger before it was, oh, like, you know, what class are you in? Or, you know, you want to get lunch together at the school cafeteria. Yeah. Right now, it's, you know, it's those classes that you've got to leverage because now you have something in common. And in the sauna, we may not have anything in common, but typically, if you know how to use a sauna, you have to be in there for 15 minutes to get the max. minimum amount of recovery. You know, usually people aren't talking about much, so you try to make time. Or you try to make something out of, you know, their time together. It's a great way to meet people. And um Do two things at once: recover and also make a new friend.
1: That's perfect, man. I love that. Yeah, no, totally, man. You know, and like, I I really like life life hack. (laughs) Huge life hack. (laughs) I I really like what you said too, man. About the um, uh, what was it? I just lost it. Um. Oh, like the icebreakers. You know what I mean like if you know like you're in school and everything like like you said you know like oh like what class are you in like there's a lot to like like talk about because like there's that direct like relationship like between like everyone that's in that particular class or or whatever it may be so like there is like something there to be able to like base a a conversation off of but as soon as you you know get out into the world and everything it's like oh crap like what is that? (laughs) You know and like it, you almost have to create that that icebreaker and just kind of like you know find that that spot to connect you know to to be able to like start those relationships and everything and it's it's definitely interesting too with you know social media man like social media has has definitely been an absolute game changer um for me man like just in general like the and like it's it's something that i try and like tell as many people as i can is like you know, if you go on to like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, bigger pockets, and like, you know, just exactly like you said, like just put yourself out there, like tell people what you're doing, what you're talking about. Like you never know, you know, who's going to come out of the woodwork and like the people that you can meet and like like you never know who's like the next door neighbor that's like into the same exact thing that you are, you know, and like you don't know until you know. And the more conversations you have with the more people, like the more. The more things just start to happen and it's you never know like the opportunities
0: that can can present themselves you're right you know going back to that point about serendipity you're just rolling the dice again yep. right and just hoping that hoping that the probability will work out in your favor and if not you just continue to roll the dice hmm exactly and it, it it definitely can't hurt by
1: any means right You know, because like you might be benefiting in other areas too. like if it's like social media and like, you know, like you're trying to, you know, like meet other people that are like minded or or whatever the case may be. Like if you know, like not everybody's going to respond to you like it is what it is. A lot of people do. But also like if you're just like posting about you and like doing your thing and like, you know, like you're also from a personal perspective, like getting better at, like, you know, if you're like taking videos or like you're, you know, writing, like whatever the, the case is like, right. Telling the story that like the, the picture is and everything like it's, there's like self growth that I feel like comes from that of like, just kind of presenting yourself and Mm. presenting that story. And like, it just like, there's so much like more and like, it just goes like several uh, layers deeper. You know, just from like putting yourself out there, like growing personally, like growing your relationships with others. And it's um, incredibly valuable, man, especially in today's day
0: and age. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to emphasize your point on personal growth. Huge thing, putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, it gets significantly harder to meet people once you leave school. Yep. So you have that life skill. You can move anywhere and you'll be fine.
1: Exactly. You're right, man. But awesome, Johnny!
0: I'm so excited that we had this talk, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I think we just got so much more closer, and you know, closer than we already were. And you know, knowing that you're you're moved, you've moved back, you know, I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation as well. Totally, man.
1: So, where on um, speaking of social media, this is a really nice transition. So, where on social media can you be found? I know you mentioned you're you're strong on LinkedIn. Um, anything you have, I'll
0: I'll put below. Yeah, so I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, and I also use Instagram. I strive to get my Instagram as good as my LinkedIn because, um, uh, what was the word with like, I'm good. I'm better with text words than I am with like photos. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where I find my strong suit on LinkedIn. But if you want to find my socials, um, because I have the, the credibility of being an author, you can literally Google my name and, you know, my socials will come up more specifically my LinkedIn and my Instagram. Hell yeah. Also, is your book on Amazon by any chance? Or like, like where, where can we get that man? (laughs) Kyle, man, you can get my book anytime. I have copies in the back. What? Um, But for the, you know, and I'll sign it as well because if you order online, it won't be signed. Um, but you can find it anywhere from Walmart to Barnes and Noble, um, to Amazon and Kobo.com. There's a lot of different websites. Um, If you just Google my name, it'll come up. If you go to my website, which also comes up when you Google my name, I've listed several ways to find it as well. Um, So all of which to say, I'm not hard to find. And the book is also not hard to find. But Kyle, I got you covered. I can't wait to read
1: it, man. (laughs) We're going to make that happen. (laughs) For sure. But alrighty, Johnny, thank you so, so much again, my friend. That was absolutely awesome. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully, you could take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Pockets.